This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Trey Strolko from the Sons of UCF, joined by Eric Lopez of the Black and Gold Banneret. Welcome to Around the Kingdom. Elo, good to see you again. Trey's good to see you, and good to see once again. 15, 20-second football footages. That means football is <laughs> close, nearby. All your fall practice. sports are back in practice, right? Yeah. Everybody's getting going. Uh, season's fast approaching, but football, of course, uh, the big one. We're going to be talking about that. Before we do, let's welcome in the third member of our Around the Kingdom team, Adam Eaton from the Sons of UCF. Keeping the uh, time and keeping us on our toes. Adam, hello. Greetings, gentlemen. I can't wait for this uh, this show this week. Like Eric said, this is this is our time. We've been waiting for so many months to get something kicked off. I have video of quarterbacks almost throwing the football. I couldn't be more excited. I know you guys can't either, so I can't wait to see how you yell at each other this week. <laughs> yell at each other. Well, football back. Gus Malzahn uh, talked with the media after the open uh, media availability, the 15, 20 minutes that uh, media members got to see uh, some stretching <laughs> and not a whole lot more. RJ Harvey also speaking, Jason Johnson. Elo, what were your big takeaways from the first presser of this uh, uh, preseason camp? We don't have a quarterback to, uh, battle to talk about. That was nice for a change compared to last year. Gus basically said, yeah, no, JRP is the quarterback. Somebody, somebody in the media was trying to like start well, like, hey, is there a quarterback competition? No, there's no quarterback competition. So that was nice. I actually think that's a positive. Uh, I don't think no having drama around your quarterback room is a very good thing. I also thought was interesting to me is how he talked about the depth of the offensive line and how him and Herb Han have talked about how deep they can be offensive line and some of the adjustments they're going to do as a result at practice to get everybody some reps. I thought that was an interesting comment that he made because I do think. When you look at UCF in the Big 12 trays and how they're going to compete, how they fare in the trenches will be a big factor. So the fact they feel good about now, every team in college and football now at this time of year feels great about their depth until somebody goes down. But it is nice, encouraging to hear him talk about how he feels good about his depth in the offensive line, which I didn't hear about last year at all at this point. I, I heard more questions last year than this year. This seems more confident. Did you value that? You were there. Well, he also, and I asked a question about depth. He also spoke about, well, it looks good right now. Let's see what happens as the season uh, gets underway. And there's attrition and there are injuries. And then there are questions about uh, just how much depth they have. But did sense a confidence on the offensive line. And you go into the season thinking uh, that they're going to be strong along the defensive line. Back on JRP, well, at least he snuffed that out and didn't linger. If you go back 
a year. It was, we're going to name it fairly early. And then it kept going and kept going right till the very end. And really was a lingering factor throughout the season. Uh, I, I think it was a, uh, you know, a normal question that was uh, to be asked in that first game, that first preseason uh, presser, you know, are you going to uh, name a quarterback early? And, and he said, ah, we're going to name it right here. Now he keeps saying night and day difference. He's raising expectations on John Rice Plumley, but that's fair, right? Going into this big 12 season that uh, expectations are going to rest on JRP. Well, a lot of people are across the nation. JRP now is on the Maxwell watch list. Uh, so I think it was interesting. I think the more interesting question as we go into this, Who's the number two quarterback? How do they feel about the quarterback behind him? I think it's an interesting thing. I was surprised I didn't hear any questions there that stood out. In fact, there was no in-depth conversation about that. But I think people are feeling pretty good about the depth at the line and at the running back. So it's your typical day one. I mean, it's a team that clearly can go undefeated, Trace. <laughs> clearly can go undefeated. But that <laughs> is going to be a question throughout the camp. I don't think we're going to get a lot of insight from Coach Malzahn and coaches. Maybe Darren Hinshaw. He's a little more forthcoming in pressers. Maybe he'll uh, share some thoughts on what he's seeing in that QB2 battle. No doubt about that. Well, of course, UCF's in the Big 12 this year. That keeps getting bigger and bigger by the moment, Trace. <laughs> Last week, it was announced Colorado's ditching the Pac-12, returning to the Big 12. And then as we record this on Tuesday morning, the Pac-12 is uh, met finally, and they finally came up with their reported TV offer, which, well, has no TV on it. It's an Apple mainly exclusive contract. Speculation about Arizona possibly being the 14th member to join the Big 12 in the near future. They're meeting on Tuesday. Other members of the Pac-12 could jump at that chaos. Your thoughts, Trace, on the everworld, on this realignment world that is the bigger, bigger Big 12. Well, again, the Big 12 has been assertive in this, and the Pac-12 has been on its heels. Uh, we talked about Colorado, UConn, those other schools in the mix. I think it's interesting that after all of these delays in announcing what they may be doing in terms of television, that they're talking about following that MLS route with uh, Apple and a, and a streaming service. And, you know, I like watching Orlando City games on Apple, but you got to seek it out. you got to go find it. Yeah, you're not stumbling across it. And I think that's a big disadvantage uh, to those Pac-12 schools, uh, especially in those late night games. Are you going to go seek out a streamer? Are you going to pay extra? It's part of my season tickets for Orlando City. I don't know that uh, if it weren't that I would add on the uh, MLS package just because, you know, I might try and catch a viewing party somewhere. So I, I don't think you, you want exposure, recruits, uh, families, you want exposure to your product Bearing it on a streamer doesn't seem like a good idea, um, but uh, it's the Big 12 that continues to be the aggressor in all of this. They keep dominating the, the headlines for what they plan to do, and Pac-12 seems to be flailing. Maybe the Pac-12 could work a deal with MLS, a two-for-one deal, where people like you, Trace, could get both for the price of one on, on the stream there. Uh, yeah, this is the beginning of the end for the Pac-12. I mean, it's done, right? Like, I think we know that Colorado will not be the last team to join the Big 12. Mm -hmm. The question is, who's the next team? I don't think the Big 12 is going to stop at 14. I would not be surprised if it ends up at 16. And I think with Brett Yormark, credit to him, he jumped the line. He got that TV deal first before the Pac-12. And I think what he's doing is he's trying to get power brands from the Power Five, but also brands that are very strong in basketball. Because, look, I hate to break it to people, but the SEC and the Big Ten is going to dominate football, even with the expanded playoff. But by having all these power, you know, blue chippers, the Yukons, which has been rumored, which I think is a decoy. I think it's 
the Big 12 teams are the or the Pac-12 teams are the first uh, teams that he's targeting. UConn's a fallback. But if you have all the powerhouses in basketball, you're going to be a big factor in this. You're not going to get left behind. So you're protecting yourself from any future. Because anybody that thinks realignment is done, after it's not. In the next decade, we're going to have more chaos. FSU's trying to get out, trying to go to the Big Ten, if you believe the rumors. Straight to Tatum, it's wild. How are they, by the way, getting out? Has anybody figured Lawyers. out how to break that? Yeah, but they've been studying this thing for years. And uh, to this point, no one's been able to do this. I think it's uh, better to be in the Big 12's position right now uh, than the pack and uh, the pack. UCF Colorado. Good luck Trace finding him. Rally. Good luck finding him on a stream. Oh yeah, I love the Colorado edition. But at some point, don't you need some uh, East Coast schools added to this mix, or UCF's just going to remain on an island? Eh, you know, charter. Uh, back to uh, to football. Here's the question for you. We've uh, you know just touched a little bit on uh, on some of the strengths of the team in, in previous episodes around the kingdom. What for you as you look at this across the board? that you think is the most underrated part of this 2023 UCF football team? On paper, early August, preseason camp getting underway. What for you is the most underrated position group? Well, I think running back position. Uh, underrated? I think the nationally, nationally, yeah. Like, you don't hear people talking about, uh, you know, UCF running backs nationally. Uh, I, I do think that's a little underrated there. If you're talking about more internal, what about defensive line? You got brash back got Barber back. I think D-line. They can put some pressure. I think that could be a little undervalued. And they're going to have to be good because you're young in the secondary, right? You lose. So the easiest way to protect your secondary by having a good pass rush. So if those guys can have strong years, I think the D-line could be a, certainly an underrated value that nobody's talking about when it comes to the defense. See, I think that people are talking about uh, the D-line, especially in consideration to the other parts of the Ooh. defense where you've got a lot of questions at linebacker, secondary. You don't know how those are going to shake out. So I think that's considered the strongest part of the defense. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that I believed in special teams, and I think that's under the radar. Coach Malzahn talked about that they're practicing game situations because they expect a lot of games to come down to the wire. What will it look like for a high-pressure kick, especially on the road for Colton Boomer or whoever emerges as your uh, your starting kicker, if not him? Uh, I think uh, special teams is underrated, going to be very valuable for them. I still think they can pop some returns, uh, especially Xavier Townsend. You know, I, I, th I think that's still uh, an aspect of the game that could be a difference maker, especially if games are close late. It's going to have to be, and I, I'm not sold on that. I need to see that. We've not seen special teams make that significant of an impact in years so i don't know if that's underrated i think it's a prove me type of thing like i'll believe it when i see it i do agree with you i think that is a fact we've talked about this there's going to be a lot of close games got to be sound on all three aspects of the game uh but i, I don't know if people have, have spoken confidently about the defense like there's a belief that people are worried about the defense struggling i think the defense will actually fit in in the big 12 i don't like i said i think they've got athletes there they're used to playing against other skilled athletes. I know there's deeper skilled athletes in the Big 12, but I actually think I would be disappointed if the defense was not in the top half of the Big 12 among the best defenses. I know there was a change with Addison Williams being promoted, but I still I think that's a smooth transition. And I think for this team to win eight games, which I think is realistic, Trace. I'm not like you that's already like <laughs> conceding losses in Lubbock, Texas, and guaranteeing games. This team can win eight, nine games if the ball bounces their way. And I think part of that is having a strong defense with a good pass rush up front and not get pushed around in the defensive line. That's the key to watch when they get in the conference play. 
Well, in terms of show me, that's the same across the board at any position. But I think if you look at where we were a year ago, uh, Daniel Obarski, a kicker, a lot of questions about him. Colton Boomer calmed those fears down and, you know, the change to Mitch McCarthy at punter. I think there's a greater confidence uh, in special teams. So that's why I named them. Uh, and I'm not backing off the uh, concern about the road trips for UCF. And certainly not that one in Lubbock. I know I got lit up a little bit. Lubbock, you see Mike yeah. uh, 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 get on me about that, that I'm already conceding a loss there. I remember when UCF and longtime fans will remember when they when they got blasted in uh, Texas El Paso on a, on a Saturday night and just the wheels fell off. So that's what concerns me about those broke. That was a million years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but were we PTSD. golden knights at that point? I mean, who knows? <laughs> in some eyes, we're still the golden knights. <laughs> That's just true for a lot of Very national true. media. Compared to, uh, all right. Well, you're concerned. You don't think they're going to win in Lubbock? Let's talk about mm. a premise here. If you see a hypothetically things do not go well and they only have one win, guarantee one win. This is Trey's question, by the way, folks. So don't don't burn the messenger here. But if you see always guaranteed of just one win this season. Who would you want that win to be, Trace? What's interesting about that is if you don't name Villanova against State, that means you've lost to those two, right? But then I remember being at that game when they lost to Furman in what was a very long uh, 2015 season. Oh, if, yeah, I was there. Yeah. If you get only one, only one win at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma, because yeah, that'll be the that... only time they're playing there. A possible rematch with Dylan Gabriel, former UCF quarterback. So if there's only one, now that I'm saying that's a road game too. I'm saying they don't get any home wins. Be interesting to look at this question in terms of 2015. If you'd only gotten one win, which to me then would have been the uh, the Cows game, the rivalry game, that would have been the game that would have to have been on the schedule that they would have had to have won uh, to to satisfy me. I'd say at Oklahoma, which means home folks get no wins, and you have a loss against <laughs> State and Villanova. <laughs> I mean, I was there at the Furman game, right? Didn't you leave that stadium like I did thinking, wow, we may not win a game this year? And that was, it was proven correct. When you um, lose at home to Furman, that is yeah. the thinking. First year I was doing uh, UCF Sports in the podcast form, and you don't know that you're going to lose all the games. So <laughs> every week you think this is going to be the week that things turn around. But you lose to Furman, and, and that's that's not good. And, and certainly no. there'd be concern about losing oh. uh, Kent State or uh, Villanova. I know I consider Boise State uh, almost a must win in terms of uh, getting must to that 66. I, yeah, I think of that as a must win. I know we're, we'll no, talk about that game. again. It's but. a big game. I agree with you, by the way. I think it, it's Oklahoma because of the storyline of the quarterback situation, right? Because that's almost a if you lose and Dylan Gabriel lights you up, people are going to be like, you know, what happened with the quarterback room? Was the right moves made and all this? But if you beat Dylan Gabriel, I think there's a sense of, all right, we're really good. Mind you, by the way, if this this consensus happens, they only win one game here. I, I think we have a lot of people very upset and depressed that aren't watching us anymore, Trey. So let, let's hope that's not the case. But I do think if it's only one conference game, and I'll say that because I do expect them to win the other on-conference game, Oklahoma's the game. Oklahoma's the game because of the quarterback storyline. It's an easy, obvious answer. What about flip it? Only one win, and that's at home. Which of the home games is the Ooh, only game you want question, them to win? That's a good question, right? Like, is it Baylor, who you beat in the Fiesta Bowl, beat them again 10 years later with the 2013 onside? I would go with the Baylor game, right? Win that first ever Big 12 game. That's going to be memorable. That's my pick. I'd say Oklahoma State 
uh, would be more memorable space to jersey. me. Space, space game jersey. would want to get that win. So put me down for the space game, but you're right. Uh, the premise of this question, which I like the premise of the question, makes you just think, but uh, when you have a felon open at Kent State, you can't just have one win on. You should, yeah, you just say one conference win. We, oh. you know, that should be the premise. All right, break time. Let's bring in Adam uh, for, uh, what do we call him now? Silly game, some sort of silly game, Adam. This is your favorite uh, kind of yeah. segment. Silly game time. All right, the premise this week is simple. You can only pick one of these things. I'm going to give you four options. You can each only pick one. So very simple game. The first one is JRP statistics. If you can only see JRP improve in one of these statistical categories in 2023, what do you want to see? Last year, he had 14 touchdowns. He had eight interceptions, 63% completion percentage, 7.5 yards per throw. If he can only improve in one of those categories, which one do you want to see? Eric, I'll start with you. Interceptions, lower the interceptions. Don't turn the ball over. Uh, I think that's, to me, the biggest thing. I don't care what your stats look like. If you're turning the ball over, uh, interceptions, fumbles, you know, that's a problem. So, to me, that's got to improve. Be more protective of the football, whether you're running, whether you're throwing. Just be protective of the football. Same question for me, Adam? Same for you, Trace. Uh, I would say the yards per completion because there's been so much talk about throwing the ball downfield more. Get the ball downfield, hand it off to any of the number of running backs that can punch it in. So for me, I want to see him do more than 7.5 yards per. All right, next one. Again, you can only pick one of these items. We all know where we live. Florida, by the way, if you're not if you're not sure about that. We know that we face a lot of different um challenges in the state of florida and we're going to do some road trips this year so fellas you can only pick one which of these do you think will impact ucf's season more cold heat rain or hurricane which of these weather phenomenons <laughs> do you think will impact ucf seasons more cold heat rain or hurricane trace i'll start with you cold heat rain or hurricane well we don't know game times yet uh, and I think uh, if that game in November in Lubbock is at night, there's going to yeah, be cold. Go again. <laughs> um, again. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's going to be cold in that one. Uh, boy, I don't want to name Hurricane just because the implications on all of us across the uh, Sunshine State. I'm going to go cold, though I think only I fear that with that Lubbock game Going to be a hurricane. It's hurricane season now. I mean, get Eric Burris there and whoever the Jacksonville uh, weather meteorologist affiliate is uh, over there in Jacksonville. They're like, it's, we're going to get impacted by weather. A hurricane's going to come here at some point. Uh, unfortunately, maybe alters our schedule a little bit. I just, I hope not, but hopefully by me talking about it means it won't happen, but that's my concern. Hurricane. Eric, you're not concerned about cold weather games. No, I'm good. I'd rather deal with that. At least we get the games in hurricanes. We may not get the games in Adam. That's my worry. Good, good call. All right, Adam. Thank you. We'll see you in a bit uh, for some corrections at the end of the show. Uh, Eric, labor of love for you and the folks at the Black and Gold Banneret. You've been ranking all sorts of things all summer long, revisiting lists that you put together. And now you've gotten to that point where you've uh, debuted your, uh, your best coaches in UCF sports history. But as we were talking before we started recording, not without controversy. People have their favorites. They're jeering some of your selections. How many changes did you make as you tweaked this list uh, from a couple of years ago? 
Not a lot. Uh, you know, I think I moved Linda Gooch up to number two. She entered the Hall of Fame. She's won three national titles for cheerleading. I still have Torchy Clark, number one, who put UCF Athletics on the map, Was had this dynastic basketball program there. You realize there's three people in, from UCF that have made the Florida Sports Hall of Fame and the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame. Uh, Winston DeBose, your good friend, men's soccer great. Shell Akers, women's soccer great. And Torchy Clark. That's the three. A lot of people obviously not happy. I had George O'Leary eight in the top 10. They thought that was low. Some had Gene McDowell too low. They felt it was too low at number 10. Some people mad I had Scott Frost at number five too high. Some people agreed with Scott Frost at number five. What was your thoughts in the top 10? Well, I do question how long you can keep Torchy Clark there. I mean, do you do you see, let's say, uh, cheerleading wins another national championship. Does that put Linda Gooch number one? And then you have a, the cheerleading coach is your number one coach of all time. I wonder how long you can keep Torchy Clark in there. I think Scott Frost is interesting at five because he just has the, uh, the, you know, the short run here. But 2017, of course, crystallizes his reputation uh, in, in UCF. And uh, Gene McDowell remains controversial, right? Did so much to build the program. And, uh, and some of them on your list, it's the way they exited. Uh, that impacts them yeah. as well. Jay Bergman uh, gets dinged uh, for for how he left. How, as yeah, a things ended. I mean, the B, right? Torchy Clark. There's no controversy. No, no saga there. Like he just went on to teach, and everybody liked that. Uh, so that's a part of it. I'm kind of hoping when, when I do this list in four or five years that Gus Malzahn is the answer to the question. And you still have him things. really low, right? In the 20s, well, he's just only right? been here two years. I mean, well, you have a lot of time. recency bias on this list, though. Well, a lot too, of them has coached here for a while and won conference championships and done historical things. Uh, you do that. Gus has got to win a conference title. And I think if he does that in the Big 12, he'll skyrocket up. That's the thing. These lists are very fluid uh, on there. My issue with George O'Leary is real simple. If you if you, if you you really believe that Pete DeNovo should start over Justin Holman, how great of an <laughs> evaluator are you? Really, seriously. And this was a constant issue with him picking the wrong quarterback. Five losing seasons where you didn't go to a bowl game. It's just unacceptable. And the Gene McDowell thing, as you mentioned, the scandal with the cell phone, obviously was a factor. How long, you said four or five years. Is that when you think the next logical, uh, how long did you go between uh, preparing? This three years, versus... just three years, just to honor so the So you want to stretch it? I mean, I know you're looking for content over there, but do you want to Who knows, could be things? next off season. Never know. It could be next year, it could be two years. I mean, <laughs> who knows where we're at? But at the point of realignment, we could be going to another conference in a couple of years. We're celebrate that. Rank the conferences UCF's been in. <laughs> Transamerica Athletic. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, they have, well, you can rank them based on names alone and how many different names they have. All right, check that out on blackandgobenner.com and set your hate set your hate to Bryson Turner now. Uh, all right, let's talk uh, here, Trace, about the road. We talked a lot about you, the road, about UCF. Well, no one I is. Mean, Gus Malzahn's talking about it too, and the players well, talked about it during the media availability. A, man, a person has picked up on that. It's Brian W. Peterson. I know if you've heard of him before. He's very uh, perceptive. He met, He talked uh, mentions to us at uh, Brian W. Peterson. A lot is being made about UCF's travel distances in the Big Twelve. Does travel really impact athletes' performance, or is it much to do about nothing, Trace? Are we making are we making a bigger deal out of this? I would rather have the geographic footprint of this conference more like the ACC's than what it looks like currently. I think it does impact in the way in which UCF travels. If we are going to see more of what men's basketball did with delayed flights and getting stuck in places like Memphis and Cincinnati, 
that's where I think it begins to impact. I don't think that's the whole reason, obviously, that that's, that program or any others may struggle at times, but I don't think it helps, especially with the dollars that are flowing in the Big 12 and other Power 5 schools with charter flights and the like. I think it's going to be interesting uh, when they go to Boulder uh, for football and deal with altitude. Uh, that will be interesting. You see how it impacts professional sports teams that come into uh, Colorado. So I, I do think uh, that all of the school, all of the programs are going to have to make an adjustment to that. They're going to have to think about their travel, how they fit in their schoolwork, travel back. Gus Malzahn himself said during uh, Big 12 media days that uh, they anticipate that they're going to be landing when the sun comes up on some of these long flights. So how you go about then your Sunday, your recovery, uh, and how he keeps a schedule in place for the way he likes to have his schedule run during the week. They're going to have to make some alterations to that. Correct. The thing that will help football is they're going to be on charter so they can control when they leave and all that. Whereas the other sports, it remains to be seen. Are the other sports going to be on charter? Are they going to be on commercial? I have experience traveling with a team. I've traveled with softball for many years, commercial flights. And that is a challenge because you're connecting flights uh, you're talking about, you know, delays. You're talking about student athletes. You still, you know, some of these still go to classes, Trace. I don't know if people are aware of that. And <laughs> I know some people have suggested, well, Connecticut, if we Connecticut comes, that makes it easier. I've traveled to Connecticut. It makes it easier, somewhat yeah. easier. Yeah, until you have a snow delay like we had in 2016 and actually had two of the three games snowed out. Oh, so cold is a factor for you now. And softball, yeah, <laughs> when you got to get softball in and snow, cost is a conference title. So that is going to be a challenge, a, a travel issue there. And I think it's something that all these teams are going to have to adjust to. I will be curious as years go on, do all the other teams get charter flights during their seasons to help this out? Otherwise, I mean, this is not just a UCF thing. This is an NC, a college athletics thing. I mean, USC and UCLA are going to go through this in the Big Ten. And all this movement, nobody seems to kind of care about it. Ah, it's, it's covered. We got all this money. It better be. You better take care of these student athletes by giving them the proper flights and not make them you know, go three, four commercial flights. Travel budget for UCF is about to go way up. Maybe we um, could stay over at your uh, family friends in Colorado on the, when we play. Yeah. For me, not going to be much of an impact because I will extend that trip a couple of days. So I will just, <laughs> I will not be battling to get back. Um, on your list of top coaches, I believe you had Johnny Dawkins at 15. Yeah. I wonder what this season, the first in the Big 12, is going to do to his place. We've gotten some questions in from viewers. Uh, black, gold, underscore, ed. Vibe around men's hoops, and they're about to go on this uh, extended trip to Italy with four games in four different cities. He says this, uh, the vibe in the Big 12, going into the Big 12, so negative, it's depressing. What can be done to build excitement? And at Frosty Junction, with a good question here, five years into the Big 12, is UCF still the worst in the Big 12. I mean, we could be, depending on who they add, right? Like, if you add Arizona, let's say they add an Oregon, yeah. You, I mean, it's you're, this is a super league. When if they add a UConn, basketball. UConn, right? Like Gonzaga. He's like not talking about it. He's not talking about adding any schools that would come in below. You no, I mean, Colorado <laughs> maybe is at our level. I mean, we could have that great rivalry from that NIT matchup from a few years ago. I mean, look, the bottom line is you. UCF, from a basketball standpoint, no UCF sport is going to make a bigger jump than basketball is right now, going from the American to the Big 12. It's bigger even, Trace. Remember when basketball made the jump from the A-Sun to the USA? We're like, whoa, that's a big jump. And how much UCF struggled there? 
I think we're in the same boat because you're swimming with sharks and we're seeing this with players leaving because these basketball programs actually care about their basketball schools and they invest in it and they put money into it like they do, like football programs do. We're way behind that. No coach, no administrator is really going to be able to solve that overnight. So I do think it's a challenge. Now, the good news is you don't have to be great in a super league like the Big 12 to make to have success in postseason. You can finish eighth or ninth or tenth. But as far as competing for a conference title, it, it's the mindset at UCF about basketball is going to change. You can't just show up in January and think you're a basketball fan and think that's going to work in the Big 12. And that mindset's got to change across the board from students to fans to administration. Yeah. But to answer Frosty Junction's question, five years from now, I would still expect UCF to be in that bottom tier <gasps> without a major investment in NIL and uh and other parts of the program so all right adam let's bring him back what we get right what we get wrong what's some details you'd like to share with us all right some fun facts here you guys talked a lot about streaming and apple uh the price for the mls package 99 dollars for this season so relatively lower curious what it would be if the pac-12 actually makes that jump if they want to make 30 40 million dollars a year it's going to be a lot more than 99 (laughs) dollars A lot of conversation on the defensive line and uh, whether they were elite or not. Fun fact from last season, the UCF team ranked 114th in the nation in sacks per game at 1.5. Sack leader last year was Tramon Morris-Brash with six. Trace, you have some uh, some bad memories of UTEP, apparently, that, that uh, 2008 game, 58-13 UCF lost. Did you know, though, we went back there in 2012 and won 31-24, so we exercised the demons on that one. I think we did. Not enough. Georgie- 58-13. Uh, like a block <laughs> punt that game. It was oh, a terrible okay. It's not good. Torchy Clark, to your point, Eric, 274 career wins at, uh, at UCF, which is obviously fantastic. And finally... According to the Harvard School for Public Health, air travel can cause many issues, including immobility, sleep loss, dietary changes, poor uh, quality can even uh, air quality can even affect breathing and performance around landing. So there is some science that says air travel, not good for you. Oh, great. What do you want to swim in a boat? (laughs) Well, on that happy note, one more thing before we go. couple of weeks away from the start of the 2023 season question for you eric what is your go-to food or beverage tailgating or if you're watching a game on the big screen so if i'm watching the game i'm a pizza and it's got to be a pepsi or coke got to have that caffeine ready to kick in there oh some pizza some chips uh i'm a big soda drinker during games except i had to adjust trace this past year in softball broadcast because that was one of my things i would do before broadcast drink a coke or a pepsi ready to go except ucf would keep losing after when I drink once, I had to stop drinking soda before all the game. Fault. They started winning. Absolutely. So from a superstitious standpoint, I had to drop that in softball. But normally it's a soda drink and food. As long as the team is playing well, I am not against adjusting on the fly if it's not working. So I am superstitious when it comes to. Are you a nervous eater during games? Do you like to munch a lot while you're watching? Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the reasons why I. That media spread when I'm in the press box, it's uh, like, guys, get out of my way. So I got to get that ready to go. That can calm me down while I'm in the field, while you're freaking out, Trace. Well, my answer is very simple. Jello shots. Got to be jello shots. Ah. Followed closely by the pudding <gasps> shots. You can consume a lot of those, not even know you've had anything to drink. 
as I'm looking forward to finding out when the Knights open the season in just a couple of weeks. So not bad, Eric. We continue to go around the kingdom. Adam, thank you very much. And for everyone, look for uh, new episodes of the Around the Kingdom on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. Uh, we drop them midweek, and you can find them on the audio feed as well. Uh, for Eric Lopez, I'm Trey Stroko. Thanks for being with us for Around the Kingdom. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.